well, I don't know about you, but I'm a practical person. And uh, I love the fact that this book of James is very practical. And uh, I like when things are, are, are practical. This book, the book of James, as our pastor has mentioned, even last week, Faith Works. And I would encourage you, if you have not seen that, to go on to YouTube, as I did, as I was out of town. And I, I um, watched it and, and I was blessed by it. And so this is a matter, this book is by faith, and it talks a lot about faith, and even the Hebrew believers had just come out of Judaism, and they're going to be now Christians, and they're becoming Christians, and Jesus has become real in their life, and James is now writing with an emphasis on maturing, and being mature, and being what the Word of God uses as a word, perfect, which means mature and complete, and not just being a Christian, but perfecting in their faith. And a faith that actually carries over into their words. Not a one of us can say that we don't speak words. And that we don't use our tongue and our lips. So I pray that this morning God helps us in this matter. In James 1.26 it states it this way, If any man among you seem to be religious, we would say we're religious, and brileth not his tongue, but, dece- but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain, empty, without, void, Well, think about James for a second, would you, with me? Here's the half-brother of Jesus. Now, how would you like to even be in the family of Jesus? Can you imagine sitting at that table? And can you imagine that you have a perfect brother? And you imagine the conversations and and what would take place and and what would happen? I mean, I'm sure that um, it it could be a challenge. You know, Jesus is doing everything right, and I'm having a difficult time, as maybe James would, would think, and... James is, is really emphatically talking about the, the tongue, but I wonder if it's because maybe he had a struggle as the outspoken brother. Could be. You know, it's a matter that the greatest way that we can show our faith and the realness and the genuineness and, and, and what we would say, the strength that comes even of our faith being shown is what comes out of our mouth. That little tiny member, the tongue. The enemy of our faith, we say the devil, but you know the devil wants to do his best work through your and my tongue. There's a great enemy of our works, and it's still the tongue. There's a great enemy of pure religion, it's still the tongue. There's a great enemy of being a real, true Christian, it's the tongue. And the great enemy of strong, healthy relationships is the tongue. That great enemy, the enemy of our words. You know, people die physically internally and spiritually just because of something said. I'm talking about weapons of mass destruction have come into play because of just a few words. I'm talking about the Holocaust and wars, death to marriages, families, friendships, churches, careers, hopes, understanding, reputations, missionary efforts, and even governments have come down because of the tongue. On the other hand, people can live Boy, life can be breathed into the soul and, and something can be said that, that life is now brought into play and, 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 it's, and it's real and genuine and relationships can be restored to extreme sweetness as a result of the tongue. Amen. Tongues can make marriages wonderful, make families strong, they can have church families healthy. Tongues can give hope to the despairing and, and advance understanding and ultimately the greatest thing the tongue can ever do catch this please, is spread the gospel, the good news. But you know, every one of us are equipped with this. 
Now, every, every day a man speaks estimated at least 7,000 words. And I'm sorry, ladies, this is just the facts. They speak, ladies speak 20,000 words. I don't know why I pause here, but anyways. <laughs> but a human being regularly averages 140 to 160 words per minute. So in most people's lifetime, they will have spoken close to 860 million words. Wow. Those words can be very consequential. And I tell you this, nothing is a bigger deal than what we do with our tongue. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. The heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10.13, you're familiar with it. If you're saved and, and some have come to salvation even recently, praise the Lord for any salvation that takes place. And I hope that, that you recall your own salvation and your salvation took place because of what was in your heart came out of your mouth and confession was made unto salvation. But it took your mouth speaking to God. And it's not just a prayer. It's not just words. It was something that came from within and you meant it. That is if you're going to heaven. And I pray that that's the case. But for many of us, we used our mouth for salvation. But can I ask you this morning, and I asked myself this morning, and I titled this message, Have you given God your tongue? Oh, you gave Him your heart. Praise the Lord, and wonderful. And, and, and you, maybe as we would say, you know, have that, that eternal insurance. The greatest thing that could happen knowing you're on your way to heaven. No greater decision could be made. You gave God your heart, but have you and I given God our tongue? See, this is a daily thing. And to give God our tongue, the United Network of Organ Donations states that donating living organs, just what you wanted to hear about this morning, uh, dates back to 1954, when a kidney from one twin was successfully transplanted into his identical brother, Today, the number of living organ donations are around 6,000 per year. And a living donor can donate such items as a kidney, and that's the most frequent type of, of organ donation. Even a liver, intestines, pancreas, and to my surprise, I looked this up, even a lobe of one lung can be donated. I'm talking about living organ donations. But you know, you never really hear about somebody donating the tongue. Not ready to give up my tongue. Why? Because we need it. And the words we speak and what we say. And it's, it's interesting, but today I want to encourage you, as I found in James 3, that each one of us can give God our tongue. We can. And so, first thing this morning, if you're going to give God your tongue, would you notice with me, please, in verse 2. For in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word... The same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. And it goes on to say, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, and they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a, is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The whole body. I don't know about you, but when I think of the 
the whole body. I think of what controls the whole body is the heart. I think of even the nerves, and I think of the blood going through those. But the Bible says what controls our body is this little member called the tongue. And it's something so little, and yet it's something we're so used to using that without even thinking we speak. I go back to the old adage, we, we do well to think before we do speak. A dirty tongue makes the whole body dirty. A clean tongue makes the whole body clean. I don't like wearing white shirts very often. I am this, this morning. Um, but it's because I get things on these white shirts, and they just show up. And when I eat over there this afternoon, something's probably bound to just splatter and get right on it. And it makes a white shirt dirty in a heartbeat, and I can't stand it. It's, it's hard for me to think of spots being on something. Why? I want to be clean. You know, I believe there's something more powerful than we realize how powerful this tongue is. Number one this morning, the power of the tongue. The power of the tongue. The power of the tongue is, is a directive for us to, to see that direction can take place with it. Direction can, can happen. Now, it will direct one way or the other, to good or to bad. I wonder this morning, how powerful do we really feel the tongue is? If I were to tell you that this afternoon, I don't know this is going to happen, but it's, that I were to tell you that you know, there's rain in the forecast, and, and then if I were to tell you, well, after it rains, uh, there's, there's a matter that I've heard there's going to be a downed electric wire that's going to, that's going to be down there working on, on some wire out here on New Brooklyn, and that downed electric wire, there's a good chance that it might drop. Because they have some men that are not that experienced working on it. You say, oh my, I'd stay away from that just because the men don't have experience. Wait a second, what about that, that wire was dropped into the water and you saw the arc and you saw the, you saw the sparks coming out. Would you warn others to stay away from that? I hope so. Why? Because you, would, you believe that it's powerful and that it could bring danger and it could bring harm to you and to others because of the power. I wondered this morning, do we realize how powerful something is? You know, the more you realize something is powerful, the more respect you have for it. I wonder this morning, do you and I really have respect for this tongue? What we do with it and, what the, and the words that come out of it. Oh, it can bring life or death. I dare say, how often do we really think about the extreme power of the tongue? If we truly realize this power, then we'll be much more cautious with it. Oftentimes, I know, I know Pastor is very good at illustrations, and I'm so thankful that in this passage, there's already built-in illustrations. Would you notice with me, please? Verse 3. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. You talk about powerful. I mean, a one-and-a-half-pound bit can control a 1,200-pound horse. And the more familiar you are with this, the more realization you know of how important that bit is. I recall in, in Kentucky, as we lived there for a couple of years, and I recall um, making some deliveries in a rental company. And, and as I made a, another delivery to a rental company, I remember um, taking the truck and pulling up with the equipment behind me. And I remember going to this farm, and boy, it looked so pristine, so fancy, and, and so clean. And, 
and, and so crisp. And it just was something about this farm that seemed to be unlike any other farm in Kentucky. Boy, it was kept, I mean, just so-so. And, and the white picket fence. You know, the luscious green grass. And the acreage and acreage of, of, of land and, and field. And it was a matter, as I continued my delivery, then I, I got to the spot where I believe the delivery was to be, to, uh, be dropped. And, and then there were some people that came out and they started to take me in, into um, these really barns. They look fancy barns. They're pretty fancy barns. And they started showing me some muscular animals and, and some, some very, really, specimens of animals. And I was shocked at how big these horses were. And these horses were not just any horses. These were Kentucky Derby horses. Now, if you know anything about the Kentucky Derby, then those horses you were looking at even as high as $100,000 horses. And can I tell you, this morning it was a matter that, I mean, the manes were braided. I mean, you talk about the dirt being like carpet almost for them to walk on. And you talk, and each one had a doctor, and each one had their own tools and their own air conditioning units. And it's a matter they were treated with extreme respect and care. I mean, the rubber mats were laid out, and, and the workers routinely checked on them. And it was a matter that I noticed something about each one of them, though. They, they all had a bit. They still had a bit. Oh, they were valued, and they were going to be carefully guided and shown magnificent care. Matter of fact, it was really interesting. These animals were treated very kindly, and they were even spoken to kindly because they valued these animals. These animals were their pride and joy. And it's amazing, though, what they wanted to have happen for sure is that those horses didn't get danger, didn't get a scratch on them, didn't get messed up at all. Because they valued that horse. I wonder this morning, how, how much do we value our God? I wonder this morning, how much do we value what we say is our Christianity? Because it's a high price tag on it. Higher than a horse that goes to Kentucky Derby. And that bit is to control, and the power of the tongue is to control that horse so it is guided. I wonder how well do we control our tongue so it is guided to the right direction. And what comes out really matters. And then goes more powerful into an illustration in verse 4. Behold, also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm. A large ship can be controlled by a small rudder, and it goes from a powerful horse, excuse me, controlled by a bit, to now a ship that is great, so great that it can hold many, many horses. Trying to get the point across, James is here saying, look at this, there's, there's power in this. There's power in the tongue to direct. During World War II, it was posted on posters that anyone could read, loose lips sink ships. See, the ones who coined this phrase knew that loose lips would wreck lives. You know, it doesn't take much harm with the tongue. Just one wrong statement will get you into a fight. And it's amazing that the tongue is so powerful. Weird as we put it this way, both the bit and rudder that they must overcome contrary forces, the bit must overcome the wild nature of the horse, and the rudder must fight the winds and currents that would drive the ship off its course. The human tongue also must overcome contrary forces. What is it? Well, we have an old nature that wants to control us and make us sin. 
See, a runaway horse or a shipwreck could mean injury. It means damage. It means even death to passengers and pedestrians. The power of the tongue is the power to direct. Letter A, the power of the tongue is, is going to be in the right control with the Lord's help. If we will, letter A, be passionate for its proper use. Be passionate for its proper use. And I go back to read verse 1. My brethren, which I find interesting, it says brethren. Be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. James is, is expressing that the passion needs to be more for the tongue than it does even a position. Be not many masters. There was a desire there for the office of being a teacher and, and, and maybe even preaching. And, and one author put it this way, the office of a teacher offered a respect, a prominence, and authority which made some even go after it or hanker after it. And James says, don't do it. Don't do it. For if you do it, it's a matter that... It, carries immense responsibilities under God. It's a matter that it's, it's fitness about the teach, for teaching, not the external trappings of the office. It's a matter that we be passionate for the proper use of the tongue more than even caught up in a position. Because with position brings greater judgment. I prayed this morning, as I thought about this this morning, I thought about 1 Corinthians 9, 27, that Paul got it. He realized, he said, Dear God, please help me to not myself be a castaway. Oh, preach! Yes. Oh, oh but preach and then live, totally different. Watch out. It's a matter that we, we got to be careful because the preaching and the teaching needs to match our life. And, and verse 2 it says, for in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word. James is writing here that we stumble in our ways and we, we do sin, but especially in the area of a speech. So what do I do? Preach, what do I do if I want to have power over the tongue? And this is powerful. And the Bible says here in this passage, no man can tame it. That tells me I, I can't do this on my own. I can't do this in my own strength. I need God's help. Almighty God who created this tongue and desires that I bring glory and honor to His dear name. If you have a desire for that this morning, and I pray you do and I hope you do, then, then what do we do about it? Can I mention to you a letter B that it needs to start with prayer. We need to simply pray over our tongue. What a great prayer would be that God just touch my tongue. Please, God, touch my tongue. So much so that Psalms 19, 14, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Psalms 141, 3, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Psalm 51, 15, O Lord, you, Lord, please open, my open thou my lips and my mouth. What's going to come out of it? I'm going to show forth thy praise. That's what I want. Sanctify our words for His work and, and let her see to sacrifice your words for His words. I think we're missing this in Christianity. This point, let her see to sacrifice our words for His words. 
This is where I think we're missing it. We don't think that the Word of God can go from our mouth to somewhere else. We just think the Word of God is just enough being the Word of God. And it is just, the Word of God is enough. We have it all that we need. But God has a desire for us to be a living Bible. And for us to take the Word of God and actually have the Word of God in our heart. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So much so that if I didn't have this and if this is taken away from me, how much would I have in my heart still? For there are some that do not have this and have yet to attain a copy of this. And Psalm 119.13 says, With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Dwell in you richly. See, it's not just to be in the, enough to be in the Word of God, it's to meditate and meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways and delight myself in the statues, and I will not forget thy word. Psalm 119, 15 and 16. Can I tell you this this morning? I'm asking God for God's help in this area that the more I meditate on Scripture, the more of a chance that Scripture's going to come out of my mouth. But it's not ever going to come out of my mouth if I'm not meditating on it. And I must take this more seriously. I'm, I must get a grip in this in my own life. I wonder about you this morning. Where are you at? Are you meditating on God's Word? What's the last verse that you're thinking about? What's the last passage of Scripture that you're convicted on? What's the last message that challenged you, that you walked an aisle and made a decision in? I wonder where we're at this morning because the, the Word of God says, Sanctify the Lord God in our hearts. And the sanctification is... is before God and then before others, and then it's inviting and encouraging others to glorify Him. And with our mouth is how we do it. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh forwardness. I received a thank you letter recently from a dear, dear um, one uh, to me and, and uh, just a great friend. And, you know, in the bottom of that thank you, I, I noticed a scripture reference. I didn't have it written out, it just was the reference automatically what it prompted me to do is to go look at that verse reference. And you know what? When I looked at that verse reference, that, that verse in the word, from the Word of God, and it was a, a portion in 2 Timothy, it was a great encouragement to me. But you know what I thought about? I thought that person felt it was important enough to put God's Word in this letter. They didn't have to even write that reference in this letter, but they put it in there so that I would go look it up. And I would be, go read it, and so I would be encouraged. I wonder who this morning have you encouraged with the Word of God? I'm not talking about your words. I'm talking about sacrificing those. I'm talking about using God's words. You mean I can speak the Word of God out of my mouth? You mean I, 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 don't, I do well to understand the Word of God? Can you speak the words of God that you do understand? Can we speak the Scriptures that are in our heart? Can we meditate on some verses that we do get? And then we do realize, and then we start to even understand better and stronger and more and more and more because we're really meditating. I mean, we're really thinking. I mean, we're really just getting everything else out, blocked out of the way of life, and we're just concentrated on these verses. I wonder today what in the Word of God will be used in our life to help others. The question I have for you and I is, is God's Word worthy enough to do that? Oh, Yes. Oh, is, is, is it good enough to be used in our life? And is it good enough to be shared to someone else? Oh, yes. Oh, oh yeah, it, it is. It is? Then it will be. If it is, then it will be. 
and it'll come out of my mouth, and it'll come out of your mouth, and let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. I guarantee you the words of the Word of God are acceptable in God's sight. I guarantee it. His Word is good enough for us to, to make sure that we are meditating and thinking about it. I wonder today, will you make a commitment to just sacrifice your words? See, it's a matter that when Jesus is Lord of the heart, then Jesus is Lord of the lips. Maybe you ought to write that down somewhere. Maybe we ought to take that this week. Maybe we ought to see if we can live that out this week. Because we say, Jesus, I, I've got him. But who else knows? Because of our lips. And speaking from our lips. Because one of the most important things we can do, number two, is in closing and finishing the remaining moments that I have, is to portray the person of Christ. I mean, either this, this will be divine if you're portraying Christ, or a, or a destroy if you're not. Divine or destroy. Verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. You know, I notice it, it does boast great things, and I just come to think, I wonder, there's probably not a time that we last talk bad about ourselves. We think very good about ourselves. Boasteth great things. I can tell you the greatest thing we can boast about is Jesus. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Well, that small tongue can cause a big-time trouble. Go to a museum in Seattle right now, you will see a glue pot that started the Seattle fire because a little bit of wax dropped off that little, little glue pot and caused a Seattle fire that brought about much destruction. And Well, it's only about eight inches high. It's pretty small. But boy, it damaged so much so that they won't even build with wood in Seattle anymore. And all the buildings are built without wood. It did damage. Great Chicago fire started with one little can kicked over by a cow. Spread over 100,000 people were left homeless. 17,000, 17, over 17,000 buildings destroyed and 300 people died. You mean just a little can kicked over by a cow? Yeah. Just a little lantern is what they call it. Verse 6, a tongue is a fire. It amplifies the little tongue to a world-sized problem, the world of iniquity. The tongue is among our members that defileth the whole body. Proverbs 13, 3 says, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. Verse 7 and verse 8 talks about it can't be tamed. It's full of deadly poison. You know, it's in closing this morning, it's more than just a tongue, or excuse me, more than just a song. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Yeah. It's got to be more than a song, it's got to be our life. And if it's our life, then we'll be portraying the person of Christ. It'll be very divine. No one will walk away from it thinking, man, they just destroyed me. Man, they just put me down. Man, so much for edifying, so much for lifting me up. Man, I feel bad. No, it's divine. Tell you the, the greatest way it can be divine is if you're using God's words, not your words. Sacrifice your words for His word. Be a blessing, not a curse. Be a boost, not a bruise. And it's a matter that, that God can help us we wanted to portray the person of Christ. That's what we're after.
And God can help us if we are asking God to help us because we're praying over our tongue. Today, have you prayed over it? Will you pray over your tongue or you let the rest of the day go by and never ask for God's help with your tongue? Fire, world of iniquity, great destruction can come. I don't know about you, but I need God's help. Because I want every word to be acceptable. I want to lift people up, not push people down.